doing work in uh, Saudi Arabia and Qatar or Qatar. Tomato, tomato depends on who you speak with. So I'm in Doha, Qatar. Uh, I'm, I'm acting as the lead consultant on the delivery of multiple solutions for uh, various clients in each of those countries. Uh, so we have dispatched several consultants, primary or, or um, primary consultants to deliver the work. In your observation, and I know, you know, opinions will, will be different depending on who I'm talking to, but what are some of the major challenges for an American company like yours? I think the biggest challenge is the um, the understanding of how the extraterritorial laws follow American companies into these uh, companies where Sharia or the Islamic, the Quran is the law, uh, socially and economically and politically. Um, and in you know some of these countries like the Mutawin or the or the social police actually. Uh, oversee some of the social laws, hugging in, in public places. So in the U.S., it is common for us to meet each other with a hug or a handshake. And when you go abroad, things as simple as a handshake with a, an Islamic woman is frowned upon, or, or hugging in public, or public intoxication and drinking uh, excessively. So I think some of the cultural nuances uh, and tendencies uh, that we are acculturated with in the U.S. Uh, extraterritorially going with us to those foreign lands, it's a, it's a big adjustment. Uh, and some of the nuances are subtle. Uh, for instance, the, the shaking of hands or the getting on the elevator uh, with women who are dressed in traditional garb and you can tell that they are Islamic. You don't get on the elevator with them, it's their elevator. Um, so the cultural nuances. Additionally, there's some theories like Hofstad's cultural uh, theories, where you think about male-female uh, dominance, uh, individual individuality versus group dynamics, um, high-context culture versus low-context culture. Uh, when we go abroad into the Middle East, the United States, we're a high-context culture, so we can have one word with multiple meanings. And in those countries, the word has the word. An example would be, uh, I object, I would never object to the object being used. I've used one word twice in the same sentence, and it will confuse somebody in the international setting because we're high context and they're low context. So those nuances, uh, we have to acclimate and train our um, our consultants going over. Additionally, our clients, because they are extra, extraterritorial laws of the U.S. follow their companies. Anybody that's a host country national working for them, they have to understand the nuances of working for a Western uh, company as well. So it gets kind of complex, but more often from a cultural perspective and practice, cultural nuances. Uh. Wow, that that is a lot. As a, as a diversity practitioner, you know, this is information I work with quite a bit, but as I'm listening to some of the differences um, in the Middle East, they seem... Um, much different from what I might be accustomed to in visiting some other countries. So my first question to you would be, how did you um, learn to acclimate to such a vastly different culture, something as small as shaking hands or extending a hug? Um, what did you do to sort of uh, discipline yourself? Well, well, prior to, and that's a good question, because some of the things I stumbled into um, 
but do a lot of reading before you get there, obviously, and study the culture. Um, my dad is a big uh, fan of this. If you don't ASK, you will never G-E-T. So I ask. Ask questions to get answers uh, before arriving. Uh, I think to our benefit, uh, every one of my clients are U.S.-based clients uh, who have operations in the Middle East. Uh, so they are preparing us to interact with their host country nationals uh, when we get there. They don't want us to make any mistakes. And as I mentioned, I've stumbled into a couple of these uh, areas. So I did extend the handshake to anybody um, upon my arrival, only to see that Islamic women did not return it. And I'm standing there looking shocked. Like, why didn't they shake my hand? And then uh, it was quickly brought to my attention. You never extend your hand uh, to a woman in Islam. You just don't. Uh, you don't do it. Uh, and it is complex. You mentioned that you travel the world, and I know you do. I've done work in South America and a uh, little work in Asia Pacific uh, and in the Caribbean. Uh, so there are cultural nuances and tendencies you have to acclimate when you deal with those countries. But here, Sharia is the law. And it puts a whole nother of, uh, and there's a Hofstad cultural theory at play with regard to gender, uh, where women are in one place and men are in another place. Even some of these places are very well developed. I mean, there's a McDonald's and there's Burger King and there's separate lines for men and women. There's a separate line, a checkout line for men and women. Uh, and women are told to go ahead at the airport at the security checkpoints. So it gets pretty complex when Islamic the Quran is the Islamic law. In addition, there's the Hofstede cultural dimension issue with, uh, with gender at play as well. Most, uh, if not all, and I'm thinking of who I've, who I've interacted with, most if not all of the women with whom I've dealt are expatriates. They're coming either third country nationals, coming from other countries working in um, these countries, or they're expatriates from the U.S. working in those countries. Um, the, you know, being an, uh, an Islamic woman in those countries in a leadership position is a bit difficult. But however, here's the, the, the caveat. There are some Islamic countries that are a bit more liberal than others. So, you know, uh, Qatar seems to be a bit more liberal than Saudi Arabia, who seems to be a bit more liberal than uh, Iran when it comes to um, uh, implementing and, and having the Mutaween oversee social interactions and how women um, climb so, uh, economic ladders in in um, in the workplace. Do you find that there are affinity groups um, in the workplace to help support women as uh, they move uh, throughout the organization or even outside of work? Do you see Oprah types of shows? No, that's uh, from what I've observed. It's non-existent. In fact, women can't even vote still until I think King Abdullah in Saudi Arabia has stated women can vote in the year 2015 or something. Uh, so it's a, it's that part of the world is starting to catch up with the rest of the world as it, as it pertains to women, women's rights. Uh, Qatar is a bit more liberal. Uh, even the, uh, the royal family there appointed one of the wives, um, of his royal highness. Um, his Excellency, I'm sorry. No, it's Royal Highness. That's what's his title. Um, she's the head of the Qatar Foundation. Now, the citizens of Qatar frowned upon that because it's a woman at a very high level now. Uh, but they're getting used to it. So it depends on which country you are in the Middle East uh, as to how conservative they are. 
and how they apply the Sharia when it comes to women's rights. Overall, it's evolving, and, and uh, that part of the world is starting to catch up. You see it playing out actually today in uh, Egypt with women going into the streets and protesting against uh, women's treatment. So uh, it may require that in some countries. Fantastic. Thank you. So, Milton, um, what benefit do you think comes from you going over to um, Saudi Arabia or Qatar or Egypt and doing business and then perhaps people from those countries coming to America to work or even to, you know, other parts of the world? What benefit um, have you observed by us um, doing business cross-culturally? I think from an economic perspective, because all businesses I deal with are for profit. So from an economic perspective, there's a lot of people who are uh, potential customers of goods and services of the companies uh, with whom I'm dealing. Uh, at a more social or personal level, I think it helps um, folks understand that there's you know 6.9 billion people on the planet. Um, and at the core of uh, everyone's existence, uh, are a lot of similarities. We want safety. We want health. We want uh, shelter. We want happiness for our families and our friends. Um, and that transcends the globe. So I think when when these different cultures start to interact, people start to realize, although you have a different cultural nuance and tendency and practice uh, and application of your religion and the the um, the social paradigms that you deal with within your culture, aside from that, you're just like I am. You have a different way of dressing and maybe a different language. But at the end of the day, uh, we all share that, that humanity on this planet of wanting what's good for us and our, and our brethren, our, our fellow man. So um, I think that's been eye-opening and epiphanies for especially Westerners going into the Middle East because we are tainted by um, the media spin on we only see the bad things happening. And then when you get there, you're pleasantly surprised by saying, well, that's not what I expected. And uh, that's not what I experienced. These folks are actually pretty nice and they eat like I eat and they want the same thing I want. So thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's such an important message um, for all of us to hear. Um, we, we talk so much about the differences, but there are so many similarities that that really bridge the gap. So thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, one of the major goals of Leadership on the Go is to provide um, cross-cultural business acumen so that um, we're more effective in this global economy um, as we are um, engaging in business with people who are perhaps not like ourselves. But the other major goal for Leadership on the Go is to create a better place for all of us to live. And, you know, we want to do that through creating better global citizens. Is there one thing, Milton, that you can think of? Um, I think just in probably elevate your your intellect and your ability to interact with people to the highest level of our existence, which is humanity. Um, there's a Western talk show host, David Letterman, uh, who appeared, and I caught his show one night very late. I was half asleep, and he had a serious moment. He's a comedian by by profession, but he has a talk show. Uh, but he had a serious moment saying, you know, we can, we can leave New York City and we can move to California. We can leave California and we can move j to Japan, but we cannot leave planet Earth. We're on this big blue marble 
circling through the cosmos together, all 6.9 billion of us. And I think so when people should, when they interact, they should elevate their existence and their interactions to the level of humanity and realize that no matter where someone's from, at the end of the day, we share um, some of the same things. We need air. We need food. We need shelter. We want to be loved. We want to give love. And we care about our family and friends. So aside from the cultural nuances and tendencies and practices of religion or politics, think about the person before you as a person. And if you think about that first and foremost, I think it'll go a long way with regard to cultural and global uh, business acumen. It, it, it elevates, it eliminates a lot of the uh, who's better than whom type of a concept that many times Westerners approach the planet with. These folks are just like you around the world. They share the same thoughts and have the same dreams that you have, uh, except some of their practices are different. You have to be aware of those because you can offend them, uh, but understand they're hum human beings. That was really powerful. Uh, it was a perfect way to end our segment. Um, elevate your, yourself to the level of humanity. I mean, that's that's just perfect. And uh, I thank you. Thank you so much for, for your words. Anything else you'd like to say that I didn't ask? I, I was so moved by your, your last comment. Anything else? Well, no, you know, this time of the year when in many cultures, not all, but many cultures uh, celebrate the new year. And it's a time for a new beginning. And let me think about what I did for the last 365 days and what I'm going to do for the next 365. So um, to those of your listeners who celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy whatever it is you celebrate, Happy New Year. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of my dad. Everybody's biased towards their dad. And he had a fav favorite saying that yesterday is history. There's nothing you can do about it, but let it inform possibly your tomorrow. But tomorrow is a mystery and it's not promised to you. Uh, today is the gift. So live in the moment. Embrace this moment with as if you are in the show. This is not a rehearsal. Embrace everyone with whom you meet and enjoy today and the moment you have right now. Fantastic, Milton. Thank you so much.